This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, we are at 12.01, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, I think we are here until 12.45, and then it's going to be lunch at 1 o'clock. So uh, if you're going to miss anything, probably miss this, but don't miss lunch because you'll want lunch. I think this is my water bottle I left over here. All right. Well, if you have been here, there, and other places, that's fine. I oftentimes do the same. Uh, But we've been talking in here how to ignite your local church for mission. And we talked in the first session, if you ever want to go back and listen, we talked about the Word and the power of God's Word uh, and some practical ways that we can apply that, uh, apply that. Uh, in small group ministry and so on. Uh, this girl has the notes, so you can get them from her. Uh, in the last session, we talked about the ministry of attendance and just showing up to things. And uh, an individual was here with the testimony, yeah, I just started showing up in my local church, and very soon they started asking me to do things and to lead out with the youth and the young adults. Uh, that's very common And so if you want to get involved in your local church, start showing up to stuff, and you'll either have to start rehearsing a good no, or you'll be involved before you know it. So that's what we talked about last time. This time in part three is mission to the community, and we're kind of asking the question here, if our church were to disappear, if your church in your community were to disappear, how many in the community would notice? Uh, And that's a challenging thing, and I think it's extra challenging for the Seventh-day Adventist church, because... Everyone else goes to church on Sunday. And so when do they plan their extra events? On Saturday or our Sabbath. And so that makes it very challenging, depending on what those events are. I don't feel comfortable engaging with those on Sabbath. Uh, And so it really means that you have to be very choosy, but also very diligent, so that when something does come on the horizon that's happening in your community that you can plug into, you can do that. and still try and have a presence. Anyway, I'm getting on my presentation. That's what we're talking about today, so, or in this session. If that's something you're interested in, great. If not, uh, just pretend you have to go to the bathroom and just keep going, and it won't hurt my feelings a bit. Um, but before we jump in, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of those that have gathered here because they have a longing and a desire to ignite their church for mission. Uh, And that's an exciting thing as I think about all the churches that are represented here. But Lord, we also know that there's no one-size-fits-all. There's no magic bullet or silver bullet that will uh, succeed 100% of the time because every church and every community and the needs of those communities are different. And so we would just pray that you will help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to contextualize this to our place, our setting, uh, where we are and that your Holy Spirit will do something far beyond what we are capable of doing. We realize that in and of ourselves we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. And so we recognize our our humanness and our lack, uh, but the fact that the God of the universe that has all power and authority at his command would want to use us, the sinners that we are. And so, Lord, I pray that by your grace... Uh, we can be useful in the hands of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
first, uh, typically in something like this, you just have to start with a very basic question. What are the needs of my community? Uh, one of the first churches I pastored was way out in the Tulis. If you're not familiar with the Tulis, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and our radio station would say it was the best mix in the sticks. That's what they said on one of the, the radio stations. Because we were just out there, and most people would commute in from various places, most of them all about 45 minutes away, to this church. Uh, that resulted in a church that I inherited that was largely dysfunctional. Uh, what is the community, you know, what's the community like? We don't know. We don't really care. We don't live there. We commute in just for this church because we're avoiding other churches. And it, was, it was an interesting situation. And when we would ask this question, nobody had good answers because we weren't part of the community. Uh, and so oftentimes... We want to assign something and start with something and have a game plan before we've done the appropriate homework of what are the needs of this community. And we somehow have this idea that finding out those needs is a huge mystery that will never be solved. Uh, it's really not that terribly complex. If you have a local newspaper, uh, that will oftentimes share a lot of the needs of the community. You might say, well, we're too small. There is no local newspaper. Uh, well, sometimes a, a farmer's market will have some printing of something or school papers or, or something of that nature uh, will describe an issue in the school that they're having that they need help with. Or it really just requires you to constantly be aware and be thinking, what are some of these issues, issues and maybe make a little journal or something, writing those down. <clears throat> some issues will come through that you'll say, I have no idea how we could meet that. That's far beyond us. We, you know, we have impure water or something, I don't know. <clears throat> how can we set up a water treatment? I don't know. But there might be some other things that start to come across. You say, you know, that's maybe something that we could do. As a small church, that might be something that even we could do. And we might not solve the whole problem, but we could help some that are facing that problem. Um, for others, it might mean getting on like a chamber of commerce and just attending their meetings. I'll just warn you in advance, uh, about 90% or maybe 80% of the time, you're going to feel like it's a waste of your time to be there because a lot of it doesn't pertain to you. It doesn't pertain to the church. It's not really meeting what you are there for. But that 10% or 20% can be invaluable in the fact that you do learn. And it's that one little spark that may get a ministry going that could be very successful in your community uh, and so it's those types of things that you just continually look and look and look. Even just being on the Chamber of Commerce email, sometimes you get all these events that are happening and you know it enough in advance. You know, it's, it's hard when you see an event pass by and you think, oh, we would have done, good, it would have been well for us to have done this or to have been a part, but it's already happened, it's too late, and it's gone. Um, and so just to be in the loop on some of those things is a good thing. Um, but simply asking those questions. Other times, uh, we've had our church members just go knock on doors and give a survey. Um, what do you feel like some of your, your needs are? And make it multiple choice. And then if, if one of these doesn't fit, what would you say? Um, and then come back and report some of those things. But that's the question that really needs to be asked. And then, of course, another big piece is to say, Lord, lead us in this thing. We don't know how to best... Uh, have an impact on our community, but you do. You know what the issues are. You know who we're, we need to talk to. Uh, you know, you could go to the sheriff's office 
and have a conversation with him. You know, another thing is most of these civic leaders, they don't want to let you make an appointment or make it challenging for you to make an appointment because most of the time it's people that are a little bit off the wall and they just want to gripe and complain. Their time is already full and they just don't need another earful from you. Um, but if you go in and you say, you know, we're from the local Seventh-day Adventist church on uh, Asheville Highway here and we just want to let you know that we as a church are praying for you and for what you're doing and we just applaud you so much and we wanted to know if, if it would be okay if we uh, pray with you and maybe even prior to that, you know, what are some needs that maybe we could be of help to you and of service to you. We're not here to be, you know, another thing. We know that your schedule is full and we don't even want to take much of your time. Um, we did that. Uh, who was a Deacon and I went and did that very thing. It's been a little while ago now. We probably need to do it again. But this guy started to cry. He's like the chief of police for all of Hendersonville. And he's not like weeping or anything, but he gets choked up. And he says, I really appreciate you coming. Um, could you just pray for wisdom for a certain thing I'm dealing with? I can't share the details, but I'm just overwhelmed. And the fact that God sent you today is meaningful. Now, he didn't cry because I was so eloquent, right? He cried because the Holy Spirit set that thing up to where he was facing something. He was overwhelmed, and God sent somebody into his office to have prayer with him, which probably in his office almost never happens. Um, and then, you know, if they share, well, there's this thing and that thing, then maybe you can follow that along. Uh, but prayer is, is a huge, huge piece of this. Oftentimes people skip the asking, they skip the praying, and they say things in, in church board like, uh, we did this in Tallahassee or wherever I was a member before, and it was a great success. Well, that's great. And it might be that something that you did there could be transferred to here, or it may just be a huge flop here. Maybe it was meeting a need in Tallahassee that is not going to be meeting in Hendersonville or in Fayetteville or wherever you are. Um, and so we really need to pray and say, Lord, what would you have us to do in this place? <coughs> Another thing you can do is talk to your pastor or head elder or head deacon or head deaconess. Uh, connect with them. They probably have been at this maybe a little bit longer, maybe they're not doing much about it, but you can still at least glean from them, and if they say, oh, this community, they don't have any needs, and okay, well, never mind then, I'll go ask somebody else, but your head pastor or whomever might be able to say very definitively, yeah, these are the needs that I saw, and I just met with the chief of police, and he cried, and he mentioned this need, but I've been so busy, I haven't been able to organize. Would you be willing to take this thing on? And, and these are the things that I wanted to do. I, haven't just got, I just haven't had a chance to get there yet. And you could say, sure, or be of assistance in some way. So have a conversation with them. Um, civic leaders, we mentioned that. Find an established food bank, community service center, shelter, and volunteer. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I think that we are too isolated in the fact that something in the community is already meeting a need, but since the need exists in the community, whether it's a homeless shelter, we don't usually do those, but let's say our, our food banks or our community services center, uh, there's already probably, I know in our community, there's probably 10, 12 of those. There's probably more than that. It's probably 30, 35. So Adventists have to have their own. Well, that's not bad, and at Hendersonville, we still have our own. But I still think it would be superior if, you know, there's several of these. There's one in our community that's a very large one. It's an interdenominational one. And maybe that sounds a little scary for some. 
to be involved in something that's not Adventist, but we don't have any representation there because we have our own system for that. Does that make sense? Which, again, is not a bad thing that allows us to, to put literature out there that we couldn't do there, probably. So that's certainly a plus. Um, and there's some other things that brings them onto our campus and so on. But there's a real ministry as well in joining somebody else's thing that's already going and being salt and light in that situation. That doesn't mean you compromise. And it means you really have to be on your game, if you will, in terms of uh, Sabbath observance issues and those kinds of things, because they'll say, okay, well, we need you to be here Saturday. Well, I can't be here. Uh, that's Sabbath for me, and we honor that. That gives you that opportunity to share, right? Not that you're going to be preachy about it, but you just explain. Then as they have questions, you can continue to answer those questions. Um, unsolicited advice is usually not welcome, but if they're asking, then that's your permission to share. So find a, a ministry that's already existing in your community, and say, hey, we as a Seventh-day Adventist church notice you have a food bank here. Now, some might see that as a threat. And some will just basically push you away because they see you as a threat. You're trying to overtake their ministry. But if you can just kindly explain that we just want to be of help to you. Some will be very receptive to that. Now, some will fear, you know, this is ecumenicalism or whatever, this idea of all the churches joined together. Is that a real thing? It is. Is that something we need to be cautious of? of doing it is and so that's why we need to be very careful um, and not try to downplay our distinctiveness uh, but also to connect with these other people you know i think of um there in the in revelation where it says come out of her my people um well <clears throat> that is true but in that verse we see that god has his people in other faith groups and faith communities, right? And so I think we can have a, a stronger impact when we have a friendship, when we are working side by side with them, and then when there is a question on regards to the Sabbath or any number of things, hey, you're a Seventh-day Adventist because you're not hiding it. Uh, what do you all believe about this? And it's amazing the things that they'll come up with. Uh, are you the ones that handle snakes and, you know, and do all this other crazy stuff and uh, sacrifice children on full moons? No, that's not us, you know. Um, <clears throat> And just show them that you're Christian, that you desire their good, that you want to be helpful. But then when it comes to areas of doctrine and those kinds of things, that's your opportunity to share. But that might also be a time that you have to step off, right? Um, because we're not wanting to just, you know, the message of, well, let's all just be one. That's very popular today. We don't need any doctrines. You know, let's all just come together and we don't need to be separated and this and that. Uh, we need to be very mindful of that. Um, but also, I think because of that, we need to also have some inroads so we can, you know, a relationship is much better to talk about these things than just a cold interest. Anyway, I'm not sure I articulated that well. Hopefully you may, were able to make some sense out of that. <clears throat> Visit nursing homes, hospitals, shut-ins. I don't know of a nursing home in the country that says, no visitors, keep out, we have too many visitors as it is, you're on a waiting list. Take your musical gifts and talents elsewhere. Um, they would always love to see you. Uh, and that might be something, you know, once a month, your youth group, you have a few musicians, people that play violin, that's a pretty portable instrument or whatever, uh, go in and sing and play. It doesn't matter what you do or what you sound like, they'll love it, right? Adopt a military family. 
Uh, how could you find out if there's any military family? Now, some towns, this would be a huge success. Others would say, I don't know of anybody in the military in our town. Uh, but there still may be some. And that would be very hard to be a single mom with three kids and dad's away for the next six months. How could we help you? Um, anyway, just another idea. <clears throat> help an individual with yard cleanup. Maybe there's that house that you pass by on your way to work or school every day, and it just looks suffocated. You know, the bushes are super tall, and the grass is high, and trees are growing out of gutters, and this kind of thing. What if you got a group together, and you say, okay, on this particular Sunday, we're going to head over there, and from 10 to noon, we're not going to be there for more than two hours. We're going to take a before picture. We're going to bring all the tools that we need, and you have to talk to them in advance. You can't just show up and cut all their stuff. But... Um, <clears throat> A lot of times, you know, an 85-year-old lady who can't get out and do will be so grateful. Now, she might have some opinions, you know, get out there and, no, don't touch those. All right, we'll leave those alone. Um, But that can be a neat thing. In fact, in this one about the yard thing, we did a thing. Let me back up. Another district, I had a friend that was a couple hours away in, in another Adventist church that we went to school together. And he says, we want to do a local mission trip this summer. We don't want to have it to be super expensive and go overseas and all of that, but something where they can get their hands dirty, do something good for somebody else, be away from, I'm going to take their phones away and all that kind of, anyway, so we got a member in my church, had a cabin business, he donated a couple cabins, I went to some places in our community that was kind of low-end housing, and we had some contacts to various members, and some of these shut-ins, they needed their house repainted, it was literally starting to fall apart, it was in desperate need of paint. And painting is something that everybody can do, you know, by and large. You get a bunch of paint, you might make a little bit of a mess, but whatever, it'll be fine. Um, Especially in these cases, I don't think anybody was being picky in these places. So we went and we did that, and the response was so great that before it was all done, we did that on three or four different summers, and all these different people got their houses painted, and the before and after pictures were incredible. And the people that we helped were just awestruck that a group of teenagers would come. One place was so bad we even had to work out to do a new roof. Um, But they were just so grateful. And in fact, we had people that we didn't share a verse. I think we had prayer before we got started. And, you know, we're just, we're from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're glad we could help you. And you're more than welcome to come uh, to our church anytime you'd like and so on. And this one couple did. For a long time after that, until I left and and beyond, they started coming to our church for no other reason than the fact that we showed them kindness. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, Plan a community guest day. This is something else you could do as a young adult. And you could say, I want to acknowledge and recognize the police force. You have somebody that's patrolling, or the fire department, or both, or whatever you want to do, and have them come in on a Sabbath and just thank them for their service and have some little gift or something you can put in their hands. Um, but more than anything, it's just going to be the fact that you are recognizing them. I mean, people today have no respect, oftentimes it seems, for law enforcement. They're the target. They're the bad guy. We don't want the And it's like, well, wait a minute. They're doing a lot of good things for us, and we appreciate their service, so let's recognize them on a particular Sabbath. So you might ask your pastor and say, can we have a week uh, a Sabbath, you know, in, in March that we could do this and I'll talk to the, to the guys and they can come by in their uniform and um, even if you just have two or three that are there and give them a gift card to take their wife out to eat or something. 
That would be pretty cool. How many churches do you think do that? Not many. Is it going to make an impression? I know somebody in Carolina has done something similar where they have water bottles and they had engraved, it was a nice Yeti thing, so they were pretty nice water bottles. And it said the whatever Seventh-day Adventist church, that wasn't their name, but the whatever Seventh-day Adventist church is praying for you. And so every time they took a drink and whatever and were on patrol, you know, of water, they were thinking, okay, adopt an elementary school or high school. You know, again, that can be tricky, but it largely depends on the principal and, and how open they are to that kind of thing. And a lot of it is relational. And so start where you might have some, some in relationally in some of these places. Well, our member is, is best friends with the principal of this grade school. Well, that's a great start. Why don't you go see what the needs are? Well, it's not an Adventist school. So go and see how you can help. Uh, offer tutoring or, you know, something. So there's lots of things that can be done. Oh, I still got more. Be active in passing out uh, or leaving glow tracks. That's something else you can do. Uh, grab some glow, glow tracks at their booth and leave it in your hotel room with a, with a tip. That's probably a good thing. If it is the tip, it's probably not a good thing. <clears throat> Start a Roku ministry. I minis- mentioned that last time. Um, I guess I can explain it again. But it was this individual in our church that said, I'm just going to, to go to their houses for these shut-ins install this Roku, which is a one-time. There's no fee to the thing. You just buy the thing, connect it to their Wi-Fi, and then with the remote, they can plug in if you're live-streaming your service or connect with some other churches and that kind of thing. And that can be a blessing, and it helps them not feel forgotten. Um, But that's probably more of members, so maybe that doesn't belong on this list. Find a hospice center and bring them good music once a month. Same idea. Boy, this is slow coming across. Start a campus Bible study. Maybe, is anybody here on a secular campus? Meaning not an Adventist campus, public school or something. Um, so you could start a, a Bible study. You say, how would I start a Bible study? Well, you should have come to the first one. But start with asking two or three people. If, uh, you know, we've had some good biblical conversations. What if we get together and we just study one of the Gospels together? And we'll just take it a small piece at a time. We'll meet for an hour, you know, before lunch on Tuesdays or whatever. Um, and see if, if they would do that. Uh, <clears throat> here's some pictures of some of our church doing a church work bee. Um, I want to share this story now. I guess they only have 15 more minutes. About a food distribution. This is a testimony. You mind the story? So in this church I was in, we were part of a Mana food bank. And... We would get all this food and bread and other things. It would go into our vault, our closet. And in our vault slash closet, it would go bad. The cans were going out of date. The bread was growing mold. The vault started to stink. That was our ministry. And so I said, this is not good representation. We're supposed to report how we're using the food, who's getting the food, all these kinds of things. They're not getting the reports. They're calling me. Where are the reports? So I finally said, we need to discontinue this until we can get reorganized because this is, is not working. Okay. So I went to the church board and I said, this is a bad witness. Um, and so this is what I've done. I didn't have church board action or anything. I just said, you know, I've dis- discontinued it until I feel like we can get it up and running in a way that rightly represents the Lord and our church. And uh, I just kind of left it at that. I thought it would just kind of go away. Not that I wanted it to go away, but that's just what I thought would happen. 
Um, and so they took this on, you know, I don't know if it was partly out of um, embarrassment or something. Okay, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do it right. But they decided, you know, having a, a food bank open all the time, who's available to be there to man the store, so to speak? Nobody was. And so somebody suggested, well, what if we just have a day of the month that we distribute all the food? It arrives and we distribute it. And then there's nothing rotting, nothing going bad, nobody, you know, feeling guilty. It's just, it, it's all done. So that's what we did. And I was on a ministerial association that was of other churches, not Adventist churches, but all different faiths. Uh, and that, again, is always a little bit, uh, can be awkward at times, um, <clears throat> but not terribly so. <coughs> and uh, this actually had a good group of guys, and we would pray together often and that kind of thing. And so I went to them and I said, here's something our church has decided to do, that we want to have this food distribution on, I think it was on Thursday afternoons. But our church was a small church. We had maybe 60 in attendance on Sabbath. Most of them were older. And so getting five pallets of food distributed was a challenge for us. So I explained that. And would you like to partner with us and, and do this food distribution? So a couple of churches, especially one in particular, said, yeah, we'll help you. And they were a much larger, one of the largest churches in this small community. They had about five or 600 that would come on a Sunday. Um, and they said, yeah, we'll be happy to be part of that. So we started working together with them. Um, and they, they were part of a college across the street. So they had a lot of young people. So for about six, seven months, we're all working together. We're coming together on Thursday about noon. It's a come and go thing. If you have any time between noon, or more like two, I guess, and then we're going to start passing out the food at five till about six, and then by about 6.30 or seven, we're done. So for me, I'd be there for maybe four hours once a month, and that would be it. And so they would deliver the food on these pallets, be all shrink-wrapped, and we'd have to divide out the food according to uh, you know, we have so many beans, so many corn, so many whatever, and every bag gets this many. And then it was just like, uh, <clears throat> what do you call it, where everybody pitches in and works together. My kids call it bucket brigade, that idea. And so every, we're trying to put together these packets. So every car that came through this warehouse that a member had, <clears throat> we would just take and put the groceries in their car. I mean, this was like drive-through food bank. And so that's what we would do. <clears throat> now, I have to mention along the way, there were some some faithful ones that said, we don't like being part of a ministry connected with other people that have the mark of the beast and that don't worship on our same day and that this is just a terrible thing. We need to keep it ours. Why are we sharing it? And I kindly would listen and say, I hear what you're saying, but, um, you know, and I agree, we need to be careful in those areas, but I feel like feeding people in the community isn't a compromise when we do it with other people. Um, I mean, you're in work, in the hospital, and other things with people of all different faiths. Uh, I don't see in Scripture where it says to dig a hole and cover yourself up and, and stay there. Anyway, so <clears throat> we just continued on um, with this program until at a certain point, and it, and it continued to grow. We'd probably have about 200 cars come through. We had the Walmart... Uh, manager for our community, he came out. Different churches were writing checks. It had to go through us because we were the ones signed on with the food bank. And it was astounding to me to see a check that would come through that would be uh, for $1,000 to 
whatever Adventist church, our church, um, for this food distribution. And it has, on their side of it, it's the First Baptist Church, or it's the Presbyterian Church, or it's whatever church, funding to help us do this ministry. I was like, wow, this is incredible. <clears throat> and there were still some, some grumblers, some complainers. You know, we put it in their car and that kind of thing. But it really gave us more um, publicity in the community than probably anything else. Anytime I would then be in the community for whatever other reason, and I'm with, we were the only Seventh-day Adventist church within... 40 minutes or something, so it was just us. Oh, you're the church that does that food distribution. That is so great. We just think that's wonderful what you're doing. Which made me, for the first time in my ministry, be able to answer that. What would the community think if your church disappeared? I thought, for the first time ever, somebody would miss us if we disappeared. Isn't that a good thing? I thought it was a good thing. So, but it's not done. Uh, as far as what, what God did with it. So, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> now you're curious. Um, how should I tell this next part? Uh, okay, so <clears throat> then I told you that the bridge, it was one of the larger churches in the area, if not the largest, Sunday Keeping Church. They had a college right next door. <clears throat> they were doing a thing on, we're studying world religions. And we want you to come and share what the Seventh-day Adventists believe. And I said, okay, I'd, I'd be happy to come. So I drove down. And I'd been to something like this before. And my last experience with this was you had a rabbi and a priest and, a, you know, uh, and all these other people. And you have two minutes to share what makes you unique as a Seventh-day Adventist. Well, that's a little tough in two minutes. You try and share how we're a lot like everybody, but there are some things that make us different and why we follow these according to Scripture. But again, two minutes is short. So that's a little bit what I was expecting. I show up, it's just me. And the whole board is filled up with things, you know, vegetarian and dress and we've heard you have a prophet and what is this thing about revelation and prophecy or whatever and... Uh, <clears throat> and some misnomer stuff too you never eat desserts or whatever um, and so I said well how much time do we have and they said take as much time as you want and I said time out I'm a pastor I could go on forever and they said no really and so for about an hour and a half we went through the things on the board and why we believe them as Seventh-day Adventists to a group of probably 14 maybe 20 college students and they were not argumentative. They were not frustrated by anything I had to say. I didn't back down from anything. I just shared that this is why we believe it according to what the Bible says in this verse or that verse. And they were, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, that's interesting. And I felt really good about that because they were exposed then to something that they wouldn't have been otherwise. And these were the same people, many of them, that were helping us with the food distribution. You know, so you're already working next to each other, rubbing shoulders, having small talk, and sometimes some other conversation. Fast forward now a few more weeks. <clears throat> this same church, I told you the closest church is maybe 40 minutes away. There was another church 40 minutes away. That Their form of reaching the community <clears throat> was to get a pamphlet on why Sunday is the mark of the beast. <clears throat> is Sunday the mark of the beast? Yes. Should we lead with that? Probably not. Um, 
should we never talk about it? No, we should have, there should be a time to talk about it. But they put this leaflet on everybody's car on Sunday morning, so when they walk out, you know, and <clears throat> so I had a relationship with these pastors, and they called me and they said, or maybe it's a text, I don't remember, hey, all of our members are pretty upset. In fact, they're really upset because they all have these leaflets on their windshield, about 500 of them that say Sunday's the mark of the beast. You know, we looked it up and it's published from one of our publishing houses. I mean, it's not a bad leaflet. It's just bad use of our leaflet. Uh, and I said, well, that is an Adventist publication, but I'm very sorry about that. I said, I know that wasn't us. Um, and, you know, there's always, it seems in every church, there's people that, that are a little bit pushy and in your face about stuff. And I just am very sorry about that. I very much apologize. And that, you know, it wasn't anything that was organized, certainly from us. At that point, I didn't know where it came from. I learned later it was from an area church down the road. Last piece of this thing. We're getting ready to move to, well, to move. If I say too many details, you'll figure out where this place is. Not that it matters too much, but we're getting ready to move. We'd already accepted the call, and we were kind of in the midst of packing. And I get a text from this big church, the bridge, and they say, we're doing a series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, I just get chills thinking about it. And they said, we're trying to think who we want to present the fourth commandment. And they said, would you come in two weeks on Sunday and preach to our congregation about the fourth commandment? And I'm like, whoa, I have to show this text to Elizabeth. Check this out, right? And I would even offered before, if you're ever sick or whatever, I can take your pulpit on a Sunday and I'll, you know, I'll stick to things that we agree upon. And I did that a few times. But I'd never preached a distinctive Adventist doctrine from a Sunday pulpit. And I thought, this is significant. So I said, I, I'd be happy to do that, but let's, let's do lunch or something so I understand what you have in mind. So we did that. And I, I really wanted to know, what do you, I don't want to, you know, be over the top here. And they said, no, we want to know, what does the Bible have to say about the Sabbath? Why you keep the Sabbath? You know, what's the significance of the Sabbath? We just want to know everything about it. And we trust you. As they said, we trust you. Say whatever you want to say. Wow. Okay. Oh, and by the way, we have another Wednesday night group. It's a couple hundred people. They go through a study guide, so we're going to need your PowerPoint and also a worksheet that they can go through. Okay. And so I'm working on all this, and I'm praying, Lord, how much do you want me to share? And I just ended up putting together, you know, basically an evangelistic talk on the Sabbath, but also trying to emphasize how it's not just a day of rest, because they said, yeah, we believe in the Sabbath, you know, rest on Sabbath and come to church on Sunday. That's better than most. <laughs> and how God blessed it, he sanctified it, how he made it holy on the seventh day and all these other things. So I go through from the creation to Jesus, to the apostles, to in heaven, and ended on the fact that the Sabbath is a relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. It's a special day, if you will, that God wants us to reserve, push everything to the side so we can commune with him. And that's why we, we keep this out. I didn't hold anything back. I had all these verses. And afterwards, I sat down next to these pastor friends. And the church was one of these, by the way. Very interesting experience for me. This isn't my preference. 
of worship. They had smoke machines and the praise band and, and the lady that was leading up, or one of them, was in stiletto heels and was probably 65 with Botox and the whole nine yards. Very affected, you might say. Um, sat down with the pastors afterwards and I said, kind of sweating a little bit, saying, how was that? Thinking they're going to say, leave. <laughs> they said, that was perfect. In fact, that was incredible. We've never heard anything like that before in our lives. That was powerful. <clears throat> and then we went out to lunch, which also felt very weird to go to church and go out to lunch. I hope that feels weird to you. Um, <clears throat> and a whole group wanted to follow us to lunch and continue talking about this. And I thought, wow, what allowed that to happen? Right? If I would have gone and said, hey, I'm the new Seventh-day Adventist pastor in town. You need to have a series on the Ten Commandments. I'm going to come preach the fourth. It's going to be phenomenal. They never call me back. Huh, weird. You don't plan this stuff. But God will use what you do to make an impact. You know, and, and it's easy to think, well, man, that just fell into place. No, it didn't. It took years. And the relationships took years, uh, probably four years of trying this. No, that's not any good. Trying that. No, that's no good. We tried this in the community. Oh, that was okay, you know, and, and just trying different things until this happened. Um, but this was a total God thing. Interestingly, I found out later that the church 30 minutes away heard that I was there talking about the Sabbath and tried to take all the credit that was because of their pamphlets that they left on the, <laughs> on the windshield. And I kindly said, no, that actually almost kept it from happening. Please don't do that anymore. Um, <clears throat> I think of, this is kind of a weak, grainy slide, but this was the actual slide they used. Li uh, living the Big Ten. This is a 10 here. Anyway, that's when graphics were kind of tired. Um, I think of this quotation in Gospel Workers, page 119. In laboring in a new field, do not think it your duty to say at once to the people, we are Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that the seventh day is the Sabbath, we believe in the non-immortality of the soul. Are those all true? Yeah. But she's saying don't lead with that, because those are the, all the things that we differ, right? And if you want to influence somebody, you don't just come and... and Blast them for all the things that are different because they're going to feel like they're wrong. This would often erect a formidable barrier between you and those you wish to reach. Well, we were faithful. We told them if they kept going to church on that there Sunday, they're going to burn in hell. <laughs> they kicked us out, but we were faithful. And then they sang a hymn and go home. That doesn't work. How, it's not how it works. It says, speak to them as you have opportunity upon points of doctrine on which you can what? Agree, dwell on the necessity of practical godliness, feeding people in your community or something similar. Give them evidence that you are a Christian desiring peace and that you love their souls. Let them see that you are conscientious. And then get this, thus you will gain their confidence and there will be time enough for doctrines. That's my other pet peeve, is all these ministries that never get around to doctrine and never get around to any of our distinctives. We'll just love them all day long, but they're still going to burn in hell because we never tell them the truth. But if we get the order right, then there'll be time enough for doctrines. And then that's when we have to stand up and say, this is a little scary. Preaching about the Sabbath on Sunday. I'm a little outnumbered here. 
But Lord, you set this up, so I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to give it my best go. Let the heart be won, the soil prepared, and then sow the seed, presenting in love the truth as it is in Jesus. Um, and so that's my challenge to you. You know, much of ministry is continually working at something. You know, you're, you're praying about it, you're in the Word, there's moments that you're questioning, is this making any difference? I ask that as a pastor all the time. Am I making any difference? You know, did that sermon make any difference? Is this ministry making any difference? Well, you got to get past that. you got to say, Lord, is this what you'd have me to do? Then I'm just going to keep doing it. And it's, it's kind of like that humongous wheel that weighs how many tons? And you're trying to push this wheel. And if we were to push it, would it move straight away? No. But as you push, or maybe it's a better analogy is pushing a car. If anybody had to push a car out of a garage, it wouldn't start or something. And there's that moment that you push and you think you can't do anything, it's not moving. If anything, it starts to feel like it's coming backwards. But you just keep pushing. It's kind of the same with a boat, a real heavy boat too. And you just keep pushing. And as you keep pushing, you feel that moment when it just starts to barely budge. You know what I'm talking about? And then as it, you keep pushing a little harder, keep pushing a little harder, and it's, it's, it's traveling just barely faster and barely faster and barely faster until now it actually has a little bit of, of, of go to it. And that's when you have to run out of this tiny garage and catch up and grab the thing as it's still rolling back and then put on the brake real fast. And that momentum is a lot like ministry. You start to push and at first you feel like this isn't going anywhere. This is a, a, a dead end. But you just keep pushing because you say, Lord, you're the one that planted the seed. You're the one that got this thing started. And you're the one that, that overcame this hurdle and this hurdle and this hurdle and this hurdle. So I'm just going to keep pushing because I feel like you're calling me to go in this direction. And over time, sometimes years, he'll have something like this. I still haven't had a highlight in my ministry like this since this event. But it was phenomenal to me. And did we have everybody just race over to the Adventist church and sign up for baptism? No. I did have this stiletto heel 65-year-old Botox woman come up and she said, thank you for telling us the truth. That's what she said. So none of them came and joined our church. Not one. But I think of the fact that now they've heard something that maybe they'd never heard before, that it's on the hard drive, and when the Sabbath becomes more and more of an issue, as it is, and as we know it will be, man, I don't remember who that guy was. He was kind of a goon. But I do remember he was a Seventh-day Adventist minister, and now I live in Toledo, but I think there's a Seventh-day Adventist church in my town. I'm going to Google, sure enough, there is. Maybe I'm going to go talk to him. Is it possible? It is. And is God in charge of all of that? He is. And so I encourage you, as challenging as it is, because communities are not used to people really, you know, usually there's a hook, right? We want to help you, now you have to help us. We've done this for you, now you have to scratch our back. And blah, blah, blah. So everybody's cautious and everybody's quick to say no. But keep trying. Don't give up. You try something that doesn't work, try something else. Try something else. Until eventually there is a breakthrough and something begins to happen beyond what you were able to think 
or come up with, and God will use it. So that's my challenge for you all. Uh, as young people, you guys think outside of the box. Why don't we do this? We've never tried this before. Well, then do it. Well, the pastor thinks it's a bad idea. Well, if you really feel that God's calling you to do it, make it all the more reason to kind of show the pastor, maybe this wasn't a bad idea. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will have an impact. And through those relationships, something can happen. All right, it's time to be done for lunch. Um, let me have prayer. And then if anybody has questions, you can just come up after. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this group. And I pray that you will use everybody here in some way to engage with their community. And oftentimes we think automatically community means people we don't know, but community often means the people we already do know. They cut our hair, they deliver our mail, they pick up our trash, they're in the post office, they're in the grocery store, they're all around us. And if we would just ask that you would open our eyes, that we may see these people, that we will see their needs, that we'll see how they're hurting, and see how we individually or we collectively as a Sabbath school class or a young adult group or a church at large could help. We may not change the whole world. We may just change it for a family, an individual, but that can have a ripple effect. And if it's your choosing, it may change the world. We don't know. Ultimately, it's not about us. It's not about our success but it's about what you long to do. And so we just want to make ourselves again available to be used for your glory and for your service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.